Now, each night during these long journeys, even until the very morning the castle appeared to him, the ugly hag had visited the prince and kissed him. But such was the skill and gentleness of her touch, and the cunning of her enchantment, that the prince did not stir at her approach, nor wake beneath her touch. Only in the morning would he rise with a hint of the old woman's foul musk about him, gone with the breeze, to remind him of his bargain. But with the loss of the rod, he remembered her power, and determined to find her again. So, with renewed purpose, he wandered along the shoreline to a small port city, where he proved his skill with a hammer and apprenticed himself to the blacksmith. There he learned the art of shaping iron, and he made many nails and tacks for the townspeople there in order to buy his bread. And each night before he went to bed, he scattered the sharp nails and tacks over his floor in the hopes that the hag might be injured, cry out, and wake him in betrayal of their arrangement. But her sorcery was deft and careful, and each morning he woke at dawn to find she had been and gone without mishap. Then he spread pitch on the floor about his bed, that she might be trapped, but she did not even leave footprints in the muck, and yet he still smelled death on his pillow when he woke. Then he asked the town midwife to watch over him as he slept, and to cry out if she saw anyone enter the room. But on the first night of her vigil he found when he woke that she had fallen asleep, and when he chastised her, she told him that a powerful sleep unlike any she had ever felt before had overcome her, and she could not understand it as anything but sorcery. For a second and a third night she continued her vigil, but each night the sleep overpowered her, and the hag came and went unnoticed. At last he found a black cat in the street one day, and took it home, and trained it to sleep on his bed, for it is well known that cats are mystical creatures, and possessed of strange insights into magic and sorcery that even women do not see or understand. And that night, when the hag came, the cat gave a cry and dug its claws into the prince's leg, and he woke. Seeing that she was caught, the hag said, it is a foul trick to use a cat to wake yourself as you sleep. This is no fair usage of our deal. And yet, the prince protested, you woke me and have broken the arrangement. At this, the hag began to wail piteously, but the prince stopped her. I am willing to renew our bargain, he said, if you will tell me the time and place where I may find the castle I seek, so I might enter it. Then I will allow you to resume your visits, so long as you do not wake me. I agree to these terms, the hag said, so long as you use no more cats to wake yourself in the future. I may be patient with this trickery now, but I will not be so patient should it happen again. Agreed, the prince replied, and they made the pact. Thereupon the hag told him, In three days' time the castle will pass over the Isle of Lost Time at sunset. You may find your princess there. The prince tried to protest, knowing that the island was at least a week's sea voyage from the town where he worked, but he was cut off by the cock's crow. The night had passed, and he lay blinking in the dawn. The hag had gone. Again the prince despaired of success, but rather than fail from sloth, he collected his savings and bought passage across the sea near the Isle of Lost Time, in the hope he might at least be close to the castle when it passed. But it just so happened or was so devised, that the mischievous wizard who had first set the prince upon his journey had passage in the very same ship, 
and he bewitched the wind to blow so fiercely that the captain of the vessel feared for the lives of the crew for the three days of storm that befell them. But the mast held, and the ragged sails still bore the blowing wind, and on the third day the storm cleared and they stood but a league from the coast of the Isle of Lost Time, with hours yet before sunset. And so the prince ventured to the isle with a great hook he had fashioned in the blacksmith's shop, connected at one end to a long rope. The captain and his crew left him there, for the isle was of ill omen, and lay in the center of a labyrinth of hidden reefs and breaking rocks, but he was not dismayed. As the sun began to set, he saw away in the distance the tall towers, shining gold in the fading light, moving toward him over the shallows, and he took his hook in his hand and whirled it over his head, and as the castle passed, he let the hook fly with a great heave, and it flew over the high walls, higher than an arrow from a strong bow, and clung to the parapet stones. And so he climbed, hand over hand, up the rope, dragged by the castle as it moved. Many hours he climbed, for it was arduous work, and many times the fortress plunged beneath the waves and he was drenched and nearly drowned, but always the great hook held, and always he held to the rope. Just before dawn he reached the castle walls, and fell to the parapet and lay there for a long time, fatigued by his climb, but he did not fall asleep or falter, for his purpose lay too close at hand. He climbed down into the enormous courtyard, more than a league from wall to wall, and crossed into the keep on which the great clock stood. He mounted the great spiral stairs within, so wide that four horse carts could mount the stairs abreast, were horses able to climb stairs. And just as dawn began to break, he found the princess's bedchambers, threw open the door, and she looked at him, startled, for she had not seen another soul for countless years. But at that instant, the prince's time caught him. For in his climb he had not slept through the night, and his arrangement with the hag was such that he must sleep each night to receive her kiss. And so it was that he fell immediately asleep to the floor, under the enchantment of the hag, and such was the enchantment of the castle, that only she who was bound to its magic could sleep there. Indeed, the castle was a home only to the vigilant and to those it was willed to house. The prince was neither. And so the castle strode on without him, and was out of sight in mere moments, while the prince slept on in ignorance. At last, as the morning drew on, he woke, abandoned in a strange, empty field, his clothes still damp with his climb through the sea, smelling faintly of the hag's visit, and empty-handed again. But for a single lodestone he did not recognize. For the wizard... Yes, the very same mischievous and meddlesome wizard who has so frequently lingered about the margins of this story, the wizard who first enchanted the princess's castle by her parents' command to make it walk and bear her safely away until a suitably steadfast husband might come to claim her, had enchanted a matching pair of lodestones that the two should always seek out the other when separated, and lead their respective bearers to one another again, even despite the aimless movement of the wandering castle. They were intended as a pair, the one for the princess and the other for her parents, that they might find her again should their resolve falter. But the wizard had, in secret, made a third, and given it to the princess to bestow on whom she might. And the princess, first in startled excitement at the sudden arrival and subsequent collapse of the prince, and then with the conviction that their time was upon them, had thoughtlessly pressed the stone into his hand as soon as she realized he was falling asleep against his will, but kept its mate that he should be led by its power to find her again.
No explanation was necessary for the prince, though, to understand what had happened. The beating of his heart and the tending of the lodestone were enough to tell him where the castle and his beloved princess had gone. For in that one instant of seeing her he had seen innocent beauty, pale, with childly cheeks unspoiled by age or experience or bitterness, and hair so long and perfectly straight it brushed the floor as she walked. She seemed to him almost a creature of ice, so pale and pure and beautiful and spotless was she, and he yearned to possess her even more than he had before seeing her. But he did not know what to do. He could not stay in the enchanted castle as he'd planned. His agreement with the hag rendered it impossible to lie awake through the night, and the enchantment of the castle rendered it impossible to remain in it asleep. And even if he freed himself from the hag, he would need to sleep eventually. He could seek to break the enchantment on the castle, but he was hesitant indeed to end such marvelous magic as could animate an entire fortress to wander over the wide countries of the world. He could seek out the princess's family, who had imprisoned her in the castle, but it seemed to him that they would not look kindly upon a young man seeking their daughter's hand in this way, or they would not have protected her in the first place. He could seek to bring her away from the castle and take her to wife in his own kingdom, which seemed the wisest course. But to do this, he would need a way to transport her, better than the rope he had used to get to the castle in the first place, and he had no idea how to find such a device. But then as he thought, he realized that the princess must receive visitors. Those who had locked her away must have the means to visit her when they would. And so he resolved to find the home of the princess, and discover the means by which she could be visited. But in order to find the kingdom, he must know from whence she hailed. And so he schemed a new trick.